Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your bobby socks. Jack Mack in the heart attack. Who is that? Who the fuck was that? I have no idea. Who just said that? Mark? Music! podcast where we talk about every movie released by new world pictures i'm ryan with me as always is mark how do you do and erica hi and we have a special guest tonight that's right for the first time we are having a guest on this podcast for our 20th episode this is we have done this 20 times holy shit it Can feels like that? 20 times yeah. it feels like maybe 22 or 23 times yeah. quite frankly the magic's gone you know what I mean? Oh, it's gone. Yeah. If it was ever there to begin with, was it's it? certainly gone now. Yeah. Uh, so it's time to bring in some fresh blood. And Ooh. with us tonight, joining us, our first guest, it had to be Justin Grams, everybody, on the podcast. Hey, yes! Justin. Good evening. Uh, Justin, uh, you are joining us from <laughs> Century City, you said, at your high rise? Oh, uh, Tahunga, California, my friend. <laughs> I've been downgraded. Um, the past well, we couple had of to years. have Justin on the podcast, and we will have you back because now, uh, for those who do not know, Justin and I were college roommates. Aww. And when I moved in, or actually, when I, I guess I returned because I was already in uh, this dorm room. But when I returned, my new roommate had already appeared. Uh, in the room a couple days early, and he had already installed a tough turf poster on wow. his side of the dorm room. So uh, that's why he tonight, let down. He he let, oh, he let you know. He let me know what oh, was right up. away because that's right, everybody. Tonight we are talking about 1985's Tough Turf. Meet Morgan Hiller. First day in a new school. You ready for it? I always. He's got an attitude. It's no bike riding on campus. Well, I was just sort of hoping I could take a quick ride through history. You mind taking those off? I'd like to see who I'm talking to. They've got a problem. Let go of me! Not until you tell me what your name is. He lives in two worlds. I'm sure Patty and Alan will vouch for us. Always behind enemy lines. You are not now, nor were you ever members of this club. Just when I thought we were going to be good friends. Tough turf. They took your car. I don't own a car, man. He's a loner on a roll. An outsider on the edge. Caught between a dangerous loser. Did he give his bike back? And the girls, they both love. She belongs to Nick. Come on, Jimmy. Lincoln freed the slaves. Yeah, I thought you were going with such a nice, respectable guy. I could just ice you right now. 
shut him down. Body heat on contact. And they can't cool him off. You! I figure if I wait long enough, maybe I can... Get lucky? Tough turf. Nobody takes anything that I own. Nobody! He stands alone. And one way or the other. Well, I hate to tell you, Big Brother, but the rules have changed. What is it, Sir Will? He's going to make this town his own. He's always been a rebel. Now he's about to become a hero. Tough Turf. Featuring music by Southside Johnny, Lena Lovitch, Marianne Faithful, Jim Carroll, and Jack Mack and the Heart Attack. So first of all, you have a friend who was once your roommate who also decided to stay your friend. That's my that's my first shocking revelation that I've learned. I think friend is a is like a broad term. You have an acquaintance that's... who agreed to live with you and do this podcast. <laughs> Holy no, no, no! Did not agree. Was assigned to Ryan. Ah, very, very different. Very go. different. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> am I the only one drinking a forty? this episode i think so yeah i think so i because I, okay. I thought this was the shit you were into in college episode oh you, yeah lousy uh <laughs> lousy carbonated seltzer beverage yep that's, still into it, it. all the rage I, in 1985 i'm basically drinking college. today's version of a mike's hard lemonade so zima go. don't worry about it <laughs> well ryan i thought didn't you get my inner office memo about this I, I didn't, Mark. I'm sorry. Ryan's fax machine broke about 25 years ago. <laughs> and he fair. did a lot of comics on top of it. So, I mean, I don't yeah. know. I just, he... I'm stacking books on top just to kind of, you know, until it gets fixed. Somebody's going to come over and repair it at some point. Yeah. Now, Justin, um, so this has been obviously a huge movie for you. Obviously, I knew that from the minute we moved in together. Correct. Uh, what, just real quickly, without going into like major explanations, but what about this movie... Uh, appealed so much to you i mean to be honest the cast energy the, the the dynamic between morgan and frankie the music the locations the the high schools like heaven on earth it's the high school i always wanted to attend when i was 11 years old and i first saw this movie um it would have been an honor it would have been an honor to graduate from lawson high school just uh <laughs> The beauty of Kim Richards. Um, it was kind of also like the underbelly of uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. This is like the mm. other side of the San Fernando Valley, Canoga Park, Van Nuys. I mean, it was the rebel without a cause of my generation. Hmm. Holy wow. Shit. That, what is a bold, that is a bold pl- proclamation. If I'm that is. Word out. That is. So where was the first where's the first time you saw it? Did you see it on video or did you see it in the, in a theater? I tried to see it in the theater. My mom thought I was too young, but a year later, she's like, fuck it. Here's the VHS. And I watched it on VHS. And um, So you wanted to see it, it in the theater, though. I did not see it in the theater, but, no, I but you, want, you, you wanted to, though. I wanted to. I did see the trade ad in the, it would have been the Walnut Creek newspaper at the time. I was in Northern California. Uh-huh. Um, I did see the ad. I asked my parents to see it. They said it looked too hardcore. I'd seen a trailer for it on television, but a year later I'd moved to Los Gatos and um, there was a photo drive up that had VHS tapes behind glass. They had to unlock the cases and bring you the VHS. 
And wow. uh, that VHS was brought to me and I fell in love with it right then and there. Had you seen what, many what, other what? high school movies or was this sort of like your first, had you seen like Fast Times or some of those other movies? I had seen like- Fast Times. This was probably the second movie that prepared me for high school. So you'd seen and made Fast- me want to go to high school. So you you had seen Fast Times. That otherwise, would okay. you otherwise would you not have gone to high school? I don't know. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Great question. Still, did it make you still want to ride a bike to high school, or did you feel like you were a bus man after viewing this intense? I was movie? actually surprisingly enough a victim of a lot of bike theft and bike vandalism in junior high. So this oh. movie was kind of a premonition of the whole experience. I get it. So at this time, were you a I'm just going to wear a, sh- a vest with no shirt, or were you? more of a cable knit sweater guy i was more that's a really great question mark i gotta think about that for a second i want to answer all right that's the kind of provoking questions we ask on the new world podcast (laughs) that's right very thought provoking we're 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 just asking if you see yourself as a um a morgan or a nick I mean, which one did you find yourself? No, I thought of myself as a Nick. We're diving right into, are you a Morgan or a Nick? Holy mackerel. Way to put the pressure on the new guy. Jesus. Or are you a Jimmy Parker? Because some of us can still be a Jimmy Parker. I'm still a Jimmy Parker. I was Jimmy Parker meets Morgan Hiller. Okay. Okay. All right. So I was a hybrid of the two easily. So we're going to dive into this movie, but before then, let's just go around. Now, Justin, we clearly know you know this. So let's go around real quick and talk about what this movie is about. Mark? This movie is about the power of a cable knit sweater. <laughs> yes, I would, I, would, I would agree with that. There, that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. You can get away with murder if you have a nice cable knit sweater. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I feel like uh, I also understood what this movie was about, similar to Mark, because I I understood this movie to mean stay away with from girls with long hair. They are trouble. Nothing but trouble. Mm-hmm. The longer the hair, the more trouble you're going to get into. You know? You know what? I saw this movie, and I'll tell you what I thought this movie was about, is I think it's uh, a documentary about the local music scene in the Valley in the mid-'80s. Because yeah. there is a band... There was apparently... Bands in every single establishment you would ever walk into at yeah. all times. The valley seems hot in the you, country club. Here's a band. Yeah. Oh, you you want to go out to a restaurant? Here's a band. There's always a band. Hey, what about that abandoned warehouse where they just hang up signs? Oh, band. look, the Jim Carroll band. Yeah. <laughs> just playing a show. So as in the valley, there was a band. It was as a, a, as, a, as people who live in the valley. Has that carried over to the 2020s? No, it has not. And it's a real shame. Like we moved here at the wrong time because yeah. there is no live bands. It also makes me feel like I really found the white space there that we could really kind of be a niche. Now is the time for Golan family band to really take over the valley. You know, yeah. Yeah. you pull into CVS for your drive through pharmacy and we're just two, three, four. We got to get the kids. We got to get the kids going so we can really start to make that a reality. So are we all in agreement that this is a musical? Yeah, 100%, right? Did I read it Justin? You know, in retrospect, it kind of is. But I did not see it that way at the time. Thank you! We finally did a musical! (laughs) 
Nuke, I confirmed it. <laughs> there's a lot of music in this movie, and there's a lot of awkward dance sequences and awkward music in this movie, too. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot. There's yeah. arguably too much. Nonstop. But, this but is it, a movie that is hard for you to digest if you do not like Jack Mack and the Heart Attack. If you <laughs> are not into them, this might not be a movie for you yeah. because they are... They're gonna close it out as it as it all happens, and uh, they're gonna get it started. So you know you kind of need to get into them a little bit, um, which was interesting because I always thought I think the first time I saw this movie, which was way back when you and I were uh, roommates, Justin, uh, I was kind of like, why are they so into this band? Because it's after they see the Jim Carroll band that they see this band and they're like, this is the shit. And I'm like, they're they're a fine band, but they're definitely a sort of like you know, a more, they're, they seemed a little bit more dated. They're certainly not a contemporary 1980s style. They band. could have been a band in the Blues Brothers and yeah. it would have been like, totally makes sense. Yeah, now absolutely. that makes sense. Got and, like, and for what that's worth, they're they're just fine. It's just felt weird to like see young teenagers, quote unquote. Uh, <laughs> and uh, like of all races, like a diverse set of teenagers into what is basically like middle-aged white guy blues rock. But yeah. you know, to be fair, none of us were seniors in 1985. <laughs> That's true. That's fair. We were not seniors in 85. So what are you saying that if you were a senior in 85, you were into like middle-aged white guy blues rock? I would have been into Marianne Faithful. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the answer is yes <laughs> so justin quickly take us a little bit through tough turf and what this movie is about and specify when exactly they come across said tough turf oh wait we'll repeat that question <laughs> yeah ryan asked super convoluted questions let me <laughs> let me one second let me converse with my counsel and then let me let me hear the question. So one second. All right. Please repeat the question. Yes. Um, so, Justin, uh, why don't you tell us what this movie is about? I mean, this movie is about uh, a guy seeing a girl in high school um, in the prime of his life and willing to go against any odds to win her over and show her that he is the guy for her. That's as simple as I can put it. Yeah, this is like... Oh, I didn't pick up on that at all. This movie's got a real... uh, (laughs) I'm shocked to hear that. That's what what it was about, really? I thought it was a musical about long hair and the trouble with it. Well, Mark thought it was about a guy in a knit sweater getting away with anything. Yeah. Because you can. If you can be from any walk of life, put on a knit sweater, you can get into anything. You can do anything you want. Yep. It just shows how deep this movie is and how anyone can get a new message out of it. Shit, the layers, you're right. It is a rich tapestry. It is timeless. It's it's an onion, you know? Um, It's an onion. It's a blooming onion from Outback Steakhouse. Is it it purple? Ryan, is it purple or white? What, the sweater? The onion. Oh, it's a white sweater. It's a white onion because it's a white sweater. I mean... uh, And it's white hot. White hot. Uh, it, so, so this movie has James Spader. He plays Morgan Hiller. He's just been. He's just moved here to the valley uh, from uh, 
I don't know. Parts unknown. I was never 100% sure where he lived before. The East Coast. Yeah, it was like the East, East Coast. Coast the East guy. Coast. Okay, yeah, you that know? that really narrows it down. <laughs> hey, that's Where in the East Coast, Coast do you think he was from? Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. Was from Martha's Vineyard? Martha's Vineyard? Yes. Okay. okay. So they're doing the, the family was doing very well. Then they fell on hard times because of dad's business. Mm-hmm. Which I take umbrage with. I'm not sure what the business was, but it fell on hard times. Right. Uh, a, a huge cocaine importer from Panama. <laughs> <laughs> you so, should have been doing great. It's the 1980s. No, that actually makes sense. Because I was thinking, this guy's now driving a taxi. Because Reagan came along and shut the whole thing down. <laughs> I had a bit there, gone. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> um, so so he's moved to, to this new spot. Uh, he's taken his uh, amazingly expensive bicycle, and uh, his older his older brother has somehow also made the transition, though he's much older and didn't need. Brian, a what's that? His older brother, Brian. Yes. And Brian's like 15 to 16 years older, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian's in his mid-40s. He's in law school and he ties his sweater around his neck. And that's all you need to know. He's a, He was what, <laughs> what in the 1980s we would call a yuppie. Mm. Or a preppy. Mm. Um, he can and, never understand such a bad babe with long hair. Yeah. I'm wearing white cable knit sweaters, bro. Don't you don't get, get me. With a shoulder length lady. <laughs> A shoulder-haired length lady. Or so he goes short, cropped-haired lady. For... Just... What's that? Even just a little short, cropped-haired lady. Just like get yeah. a little. Nope, not his thing. Shorter the better. Not his thing. He so he goes to this high school and he falls in love with Kim Richards from uh, Escape from Witch Mountain. I think is her biggest touchstone, uh, and and a lot of the Disney movies back in the day. Um, and here playing a real badass. Uh, mm-hmm. a lady. She's a she's a badass. She has shout at the devil Motley Crue posters on her wall, which they probably never got the rights for. God bless the eighties. Um, <laughs> but her 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 whole look in this movie is um it's it's quintessential eighties rocker girl. Hands yeah, I, crimped, I, I, even I, the crimped long hair. Is, yeah, the crimped hair. A little hard. It's that, it's that fine line between rocker and glamorous prostitute. It's 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 just a it's a it's a perfect blend, and um, she nails the role. Uh, personally, I think should should have been nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> wow, I I thought I and loved I stand by that. I don't say that in jest. This is an Academy Award winning performance by her for on many levels, and we can get into that. Maybe let's, I mean, let's get into it. This is this is a safe place. Let's get but, into it. Let's get into it. I want to hear. I want to hear why. I mean, number one, at the time she did this movie, she was in some kind of a, this is based on, I have to admit, the commentary of the of the recently released Kino Lorber Blu-ray, but she was in some sort of really um, intense relationship at the time. And so the director had a lot of trouble getting her focused on the set. And you can see a lot of her frustration in her performance when she's dealing with James Spader and all her huffing and puffing but it completely transforms the role, just how frustrated she is with Nick, how frustrated she is with James Spader and giving into, you know, what he wants out of her, as well as her father putting pressure on her to get married before she even graduates high school. 
I mean, she's being she's being thrown all these different, you know, life life issues at the same time, and the way she deals with it on screen is is mesmerizing, to put it to put it very uh, subtly. Yeah, I I watched the same Kina Lorber disc, though you can also watch this on Prime, just for those of you that are looking to 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 watch Tough Turf. Um, but he also said that the relationship was tough for her off screen, but when it came to the once the cameras rolled. She was a true professional and she just focused right in. That's that's what he said. Now, unfortunately, they did give the uh, the Academy Award to Sally Field for Places in the Heart that year in 1985. That's uh, off the dome. too. Off the dome. That's not off the dome. I did look that up. But um, uh, so so uh, he falls in, he falls in love with Kim Richards. You know, she is in the in, in wrong crowd. Right. Uh, From the very beginning, she is a part of a gang. They're basically hustling late at night in Hollywood. And by hustling, I just mean trying to rob people. And James Spader uh, is riding his bike in what is basically a full song music video mm-hmm. as the opening credits. Because mm-hmm. it's not like they cut away from the song. They play the entire fucking song. It's, like it's so fucking minutes. great. <laughs> well, that song is so fucking great. And Jonathan Elias is pulsating score underneath it. Was worthy of a fucking Grammy and a fucking Oscar. No, Jonathan. Wait, I'm- time out. We've already given out one Oscar. Now we're giving out a second we Oscar. We are. And and that's the original score, Jonathan Elias, nineteen eighty-five. Tough her. I really like this new guy. He's just <laughs> intense with handing out awards up top. I mean, I I did invite we we invited Justin for here because he loves this movie this intensely. Is that why? I thought he was interviewing to take my spot. <laughs> no, no one can take your. No, spot. he's taking either Ryan or I's spot. Mm-hmm. There's ah. it's, it's yeah. <laughs> our our jobs are in jeopardy tonight. It's like Survivor. At the end of this episode, yeah. one of us have to leave one of, the show. Uh, our torch is going to get snuffed out. One of one either one of us. <laughs> so American American Gladiators of New World. <laughs> Um, so now, yeah, so Jonathan, she's a part Jonathan of this gang and it, it's introduced at the very beginning <laughs> and James Spader, for reasons I don't understand, kind of gets in the middle of whatever the grift that they're about to do on this guy. Incidentally, like this opening scene, uh, uh, uh what's her name? The, the main Kim Richard. lady, Kim Richards, Kim Richards character Frankie. is hanging out at a bus stop while a dude, like the, the, maybe early fifties guy is waiting for a bus and she's given him the eye and he actually go like gets that look on his face of she might be into me. There is no world that exists where a 17 year old girl is going to be into this guy. But I digress. James Spader breaks up because they try to rob him. You got to dream Mark. You always have to dream in that, in the midst of him riding his bike through the middle of their heist, which I would have completely biffed it and they would have had my ass. There's no, I watched that opening scene a couple of times. I thought I would have completely crashed my bike. I've been like, watch what I can do. Oh, what? no, now I'm screwed. Um, and at the end of this opening scene, he's still like somehow Kim Richards character and James Spader's character kind of give each other the eye. And that's the start of a budding romance, an awkward budding romance, but a budding romance nonetheless. Good. I have a question here, though. Like this uh, opening scene starts at the newsstand, which is where the gang will return to. How tough is a gang that hangs out almost exclusively at a newsstand? 
I would say that they're double F tough. Why double F? They're a T-U-F-F? Yeah. So tough? Hmm. <laughs> well, fuckers, I mean... Why double F tough? <laughs> really? Think about the name of the A newsstand back then. There's nothing wrong with reading Variety in 1985 at the newsstand. <laughs> Maybe these gang members thought about being actors one day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at their age, they were. And I want to point out that Nick Hauser looks over when Michael Weiss opens up that centerfold from the Playboy. And that's one of the reasons they're at the newsstand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're there to look at nudie magazines. That that is that is uh, pretty, pretty tough. Um, It's it's T-U-F-F. Yeah, it's double F tough. I know. I was going. I was doing the opening theme uh, music. T U F F. You're so tough. Yeah, I know. Okay. All right. You know what? This podcast is T U F F too. Yeah. Thank you. It's Thank you double F for sure. So uh, we quickly cut to uh, the first day or the next day of school, presumably a Monday, and uh, James Spader shows up on campus, and the gang is like, "Oh shit! There's that guy." So now we got. Now we've got to and. Here's the thing. On cam- are are we led to believe Justin that they are going to kill him in the high school parking lot? No, not at all. No? No. It kind of feels like they're going to run him over at any moment with a car. No, no, I never got that. I never got that from this film. They they actually give him a lot of moments to redeem himself, which we can go through. They give Morgan a lot of chances. I, I want to hear those chances. I uh, please Dig in, man. What, is it? what are the chances they give him? Okay, the first chance. Well, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but no, you know, it, it's fine. Just, just let's jump all over. All right, let's jump all over it. Um, playing devil's advocate here, and I'm a huge Morgan fan, but let's go on Nick Hauser's side for a second. The guy messes up his robbery, tries to steal, mm-hmm. you know, makes eyes with his girlfriend, whatever, and he feels a little threatened. So they steal his bike and they bring it out to the parking lot and they do a little demolition derby with it and they give him a warning. You know, they uh, scare him and they ruin his bike. And at the end of that scene, Nick Hauser says, you know, it's done. It's done. That's cool. Let's move on. It's it's over. And you guys would agree with that. Yeah. 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 I, I still think that there was a good chance he could have gotten run over in that whole sequence. But I think actually I'm going to be on Justin's side here because I think he stood he stood his ground uh morgan stood his ground there because he knew they weren't going to run him over now here is because we're doing the new world podcast bachelor episode there would be a cutaway scene where i talk about i didn't think that ryan should have said that about me that he disagreed (laughs) with me and i really feel like he's trying to pal up with justin to get me kicked off this episode all right oh that's right that's right because we we are trying we're, we're working for our jobs tonight you know when uh morgan hiller first arrives on campus and the security guard is busting his balls about riding yes. his feet on campus mm-hmm. like no bike riding on campus and he's like oh i was hoping to take a quick ride through history that whole thing and then cut an hour later when they like steal his bike go out to the parking lot run a complete demolition derby, destroy <laughs> his bike, and have a whole fiasco. There's not one security guard in sight. Yeah. And then an hour later, when Robert Downey Jr. says that Frankie's getting married, James Spader hops on his bike and rides it on campus, and the security guard is on his ass again. 
<laughs> he is a, he's really into I really thought that there was honestly I really thought there was going to be a showdown at the end of this movie with, with Spader and the security guard because he seems from the get-go and again we talk about James Spader's outfits he does not look like a, a real like badass like troublemaking kid just from looking at, at him I know? disagree Ryan Oh, I don't know, dude. He has that one leather jacket, but he's like wearing cable knit white sweaters. That's not not really. Ryan, he sleeps in his bed with BB guns and shoots cockroaches on the walls when he wakes up. Did you ever do that? That which is a scene they only included so they could have him shoot the beast later. In the bed. The only reason why they included Ryan, this scene. Ryan, you're talking like a producer right now. That's what oh, the producers. No. The producer's idea. What's his Borker's idea? <laughs> Ryan, this is producer, producer dome, producer dome, Ryan, Ryan's going producer dome. Oh shit. Is my job at risk? Did the guest just pop in a song? Oh no. Oh, Jesus. We are all at risk. Oh God. This is going to be Justin's podcast. Oh next my week. God. We're screwed. Justin presents oh, the new no. world podcast featuring only Justin. We are working for our jobs tonight. That's why this is going to be one of the best new world podcasts. <laughs> That's Aaron thus far. Better than, which, what, what's your favorite episode so far, Justin? Heather is easily, but this is going to be the next best one. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm a, I have to admit I'm biased. I'm a huge fan of the late 80s New World. Yes. That's yeah. my you're, fourth You're a second era. I you're... might have to step away. You didn't say Love Letters was your favorite episode? Yikes. Love Letters was pre-Robert Remy owned New World. I only sport pre-post- or I only sport post Robert Remy owned New World. Oh well, my God! Details, schmeetails. I'm point, not here to, uh, you know, research. point of order there, Justin. Point of order, Justin. Point of order because Robert Remy was merely the CEO. He did not own New World, but he ran it. He did he run ran it. it. He ran it well. He ran. Larry Sloan Jr. He so ran it well, quickly Justin? into the ground within uh, less than ten years. Let's go into the corporate formalities. Let me break out my corporate minute books of New World. One second. <laughs> so how else was he trying to be redeemed, Justin? I, I want to hear this. Okay. So, they, so we okay. left off. I know to digress. We left off at uh, at the bicycle stealing uh, parking lot demolition derby incident. Mm -hmm. And now let's move on to uh, when James Spader goes to the, the rock concert with Jim Carroll Band. And they, you know, he sees uh, James Spader dancing with his with Kim Richards, uh, Frankie, and they he is not happy with that at all. They take him outside and they beat him up and they steal the Porsche that James Spader stole and get mm -hmm. thrown in jail. Mm -hmm. and which we uh, which he knew that they would steal it. So they were setting him up. But they also at that time, if the Porsche had not been stolen. Nick Hauser tells him it's payment for services rendered. You know, that's a direct quote from the film. Like, if you give me your car and let me drive it around for a while, we're good. But they get thrown in jail and then they come back again into the locker room later on. And they beat Morgan's ass again with the bike locks and the towel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that was an appropriate beating, though, because they used they used like a bike lock and like a locker lock. So I felt like if he was going to get beat up, it was appropriate that they use his bike against him again. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was going to say that I found it. Um, I mean, if you're going to steal a Porsche, a, a 911 SC is a very reliable oh. Porsche. Uh, it was actually supposed to be the SC. It was supposed to be the last of the 911s. At the time, Porsche thought that front engine cars were the way of the future. So they had come up with the 924, which is a successor to the 914, uh, the 944, and the 928, which was in risky business. And they thought this was the 928 being the Grand Touring, the premier of all Porsches at the time, would be the future of Porsche. So they decided we're going to get rid of the 911. The engine in the back thing was not going to comply with global standards of of, uh, driver safety. And they came up with the 911 SC, which was in 1978. This was supposed to be the end of the 911. It had a 3.0 liter, six cylinder flat engine. It was the most successful 911 at the time. Like it sold hundreds of thousands of of, uh, vehicles. And they decided, well, I guess we can't kill off the 911. And they kept it going. But people who bought the SC at the time thought that they were buying the last of basically the original model, the 911, the heritage, the pedigree of Porsche. Now, this is Holy not shit. you crunching the numbers. This is not you crunching the numbers. Was this you plugging this is- your other podcast, the Porsche podcast with Mark Vroom Vroom Goland? <laughs> Be honest. Be you know honest. What? And I don't want to criticize that podcast, but Vroom Vroom is a little on the nose for a... It's yeah. fair. It's just it's my partners. It's, it's my business partners. They came up with the vroom vroom part. I just I can't get rid of it. Nah. It, uh, it's we have a sponsor, vroomvroom.com. You have a uh, sponsor? Visit them. What? So but you don't have a sponsor for New World? So what was the Porsche in, in Love Letters? No, that was a Porsche 920. That was a 924. That was a garbage you Porsche. Idiot. That, that was, was terrible. That had an Audi four-cylinder engine. I already crunched the numbers on this one. We don't have to go back to this. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to. Okay, I'm, you know, catch up. You listen. Skull. There's a history of Porsche. If you listen to this podcast closely, you're going to learn the entire history of no Porsche. No one listens to this podcast closely. What are you? <laughs> you know what? I have to interject. Following Mark's uh, comments about the Porsche, that uh, Tough Turf was released in January of 1985. Yes. Uh, January 11th, 1985, yeah. to be exact. This was a mere 74 years after Van Nuys was founded in 1911. And uh, the town namesake was Isaac Van Nuys, a Dutch farmer banker who owned ranch property out in that area. And uh, I have to admit that, you know, Tough Turf being, you know, 74 years after that city was founded really goes to show just the historical, just what can I say? Uh, the the historical recognizance of uh, how much has changed between 1911 and 1985 Van Nuys. Wow, oh, that really? is crunching some numbers. Yes, somebody is coming after your job, Mark. Oh, Mark, snuff that torch, baby. <laughs> he just crunched Van Nuys, dude. Yeah, bro. He researched Van fucking Nuys. Goodbye, Mark. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everyone. I've really enjoyed episode. being on this podcast. Take um, your take your Porsche and head home. <laughs> now, I'm going to take the Porsche head. from Love Letters and head we're gonna, home. We're, we're going to move beyond uh, this opening scene, clearly. But no, we're not. No, that, we're not. O- that opening <laughs> scene, was that James Bader actually on the bike? Because it often... I believe so. It, I it does not it look often like it's James Bader. I believe it's James Bader. 
you believe like in your mind like as a viewer you're like that's got to be james i literally thought i went back and rewatched it because i was like was that him or was that another person that was in that opening scene i wasn't 100 percent when i went back but um so from heaven i mean if this this might be the wrong wrong crowd of three dudes that i'm i'm throwing this out to but like james spader in this movie am i right you're right erica He's a What's stud in it. Oh, yeah, he he. God. This is this is his first uh, lead snack. role, and after this, he actually goes into what he was mostly known for in the nineteen eighties, which is playing scumbags. Oh, up until God. he gets into sex lies and videotape, but he Wouldn't plays just love to get total sleaze bags from shit. here on out. He goes into Boys Next Door right after this, and he basically plays a scumbag for the entire. Wait, no, 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 no. He's not in that. He's not on boy. What's what's the one right afterwards? The the new kids was the before. The new kids. I'm, sorry. I'm getting I'm getting uh, mixed up. Okay. Mark, Ryan, you're Ryan, you're, Ryan, you're, Ryan, I, I think <laughs> I just my way back in. Now he's coming oh, up to my job. Yep. Oh shit. Mark is back in. Mark, Ryan, oh, Mark you got to Dante Spinotti this out. <laughs> um. So my question here though is like, how badass can somebody be when they spend clearly? Like at least a good hour crimping their hair before they walk out of the house. How? Dare well, only Erica would know. Yeah. First of all, how long is that? How, how long does you? that take? How well, dare you? She's completely a badass. I mean, it took her years to grow that hair out. So for sure, it probably sure. took her hours to crimp it. But guess what, Ryan? As you know from being married to me, you don't need to wash that shit every day. You can let it ride. So you crimp it one day. That's gonna last for a couple of days. Oh, got it, got it. Come on, okay. Ryan. Because that just seemed like a lot of lot of work for her to like leave the and and the money they were going to get from that one guy he, he the the uh fritz kirsch talks about it in the commentary he literally they only had like five single dollar bills so they're basically were going to steal from this guy about five bucks that was their big mark you want to know something about the original shooting script about what that guy is saying when you can't really understand sure. yes yes he's, saying it's, he's at that bar because his car's in the shop that's why he's waiting for the bus oh huh? <laughs> Little known. That makes. That makes. I hope it was a nine eleven SC. Does that put it all together for you? Yeah, it does. But it still uh, doesn't explain the fact that he thought he could score a seventeen year old. I don't know. I disagree. I feel like a lot of dudes walk out, walk around with a real inflated sense of confidence that they're like, "Hey, I'm in a suit. You know, I'm finishing a cigarette. I could land this broad." Look at that Erica, hair. Look, look what bar he walked out of, though. It wasn't the Four Seasons. Yeah, yeah come on. He's walking sure? out of a bar in Van Nuys. Are you sure he didn't walk out of the Racina, the Racina yarn shop? Yeah, Ryan, good call. <laughs> that bar is across the street from the Racina yarn shop. <laughs> oh! All right, yeah, you're yeah. back in temporarily. Okay, thank you. I, I noticed things. Now, uh, out of business probably 30 years ago. When we go into the club, though, the thing about the Jim Carroll band is that I I think I had only heard one or two of their songs, probably People Who Died, but I was not as aware of this. Now, you, Justin, had uh, Catholic Boy, the the album at the time, right? The popular Correct. album at the time. and But I was not as aware of them, but apparent, what, were, how popular were they? Uh, to to get into the movie like this, they they were a huge college radio band in the mid '80s, and actually had the luxury of speaking to Jim Carroll about this film in person 
at San Jose State University in 1993. Wow. Uh, on a, wow. A poetry reading for a, a CD called Praying Mantis, which was like a spoken word record. And uh, my mom had to take me to this thing. So I was like 16, 17 at the time. And I waited in line for like an hour to meet him. Of course, back then you could meet people for free. They, everyone stuck around for free back then, which was awesome. And uh, he signed my Praying Mantis CD. And I brought up the cassette of Tough Turf and had him sign it in ballpoint pen. And I'm like, <laughs> do you have any memories of this movie? What can you tell me about it? And he looked me right in the eye and said, you know what? man, the one thing I remember about this movie is I kept telling them I can't play guitar. I can't play an instrument. And they said, no, you have to play the guitar. You have to play it. So I just strapped it on and I'm faking it through the entire scene. So that was a pretty, uh, a, a really cool thing. And I have to mention on top of that, that I also talked to Olivia Barash, who, uh, you know, played um, Ronnie in the film and also starred in Repo Man. Uh, I yeah. talked to her about this film as well at the New Beverly, and she said she was very young and didn't remember that much about it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's intense. It is very clear when you watch uh, the Jim Carroll band uh, uh, play that he does not know what he's doing. First of all, he's playing a left-handed guitar. So he, and then he even tries as they're applauding them, he tries to like toss the, he fake tosses the guitar into the crowd. Which right. now makes a lot more sense contextually. It seemed like he was just like, "Hey, maybe this would be a cool rock and roll move." No, I won't. <laughs> we'll be back in a bit for more tales from the crypt. Thank you. <laughs> so the the essential plot of this movie is James Spader trying to get Kim Richards, both their respective characters, and the gang constantly finding out and trying to teach him a lesson. Then he keeps going after her and on and on and on. And it gets to a point where they're all hanging out together. So they go to this, uh, to this posh golf club. That country club is the Riviera country club in Pacific Palisades. Yes, Gastome, uh, Gastome, this is coming off of the Gastome. <laughs> Ryan, better watch your job, coming off the Gastome. And there is actually a current scandal about that country club. Today. Go on, oh, go please. on. So this is Steve Munchkin's exclusive LA country club. Steve Munchkin. It's obviously gotten millions in COVID relief fund money. So... From tough turf all the way to today's current political climate, this club is in controversy. Back in 1985, the controversy was sneaking in, putting a loaf of bread down your shirt, and getting right. <laughs> putting and a now, lobster, an entire lobster in your purse. And yep, right on, Erica, an entire lobster in your purse. And however you would have felt at that time about that happening, now it's getting millions of dollars in COVID 19 relief money. So, uh, hey, hey hash, hashtag, hashtag save the country club. Am I right, guys? Mm, hashtag right. save the country club. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, now, why is that? Why is there's Mark has a, a legit question. Why is there so much going on in this scene? It is a long scene. Spoiler alert. It's going to be my favorite scene. The oh! country club scene. It is a long, but there's a lot going on. It's a long. I'm spoiler really alert! It is that. also my favorite scene. Favorite. I, I, I loved it, and, even and though. But why it's is it so long, long Justin? Because it's twenty it's your, minutes. Ryan, it's your favorite scene. You should be answering that question. 
Well, here the answer is is that they actually let them improvise, and, and in particular, Robert Downey Jr. improvised most of his lines in this movie. See he, how hot is that? He just made it up. He made it up, which Woo! is probably why he's. But let me let me ask Erica a question. Do you slice the purple onion very thin and cut the crust off the bread and serve brunch to bodies? Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure she's tracking that one. I am okay. not. Let me back up. Mark, Mark, you can edit this. <laughs> I I do. I edit everything. <laughs> James Spader, when he's talking, trying to fit into the country club, and he's telling about his recipe oh. for parties, he's like, slice the purple onion very thin, cut the crust off the bread. Yes, you yes. Made. You got brunch with body. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Okay. That's what All he's right. talking about. Right. Fit into the country club. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Also, I've, I got to say too, to go back to the actual script, they he says before they enter the country club, James Spader says, "We've only got 20 minutes." He legitimately used those 20 minutes of film script. That's what I'm saying. It's like 24 style. We got 20 minutes, so we're going to use 20 minutes. They've got a, like a little running uh, uh, clock at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So back to Erica. Answer the that's the answer to the question now. Now that you know that the context of the the question. Yes, I don't. Ask know what the, the question is. Do you fit into a country club? That's what he's basically trying to ask. Do you. I fit into a country club? Does Erica fit into a country club? Doubtful. Doubtful. <laughs> she does not. She does not uh, thinly slice the purple onion. Yeah, doubtful. Yeah, nope. Yeah. Am I shoving a lobster in my purse? Hell yes. A baguette in my pants? Absolutely. But am I fitting into a country club? No. But if James Spader starts playing the piano and I need to sing, do I fit in? Yes, I do. The other fun thing about the country club scene is that it also has James Spader singing and playing the piano. Is that him? For real, isn't it? Yeah, for real. No, it's not. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, but but the but the director says that he tried to find somebody and cast somebody who could sing uh, like James Spader, which I think has got to be an odd thing to cast for. And what they end up doing is, can you sing like a guy who can't sing? Right, (laughs) because if he could sing, he would be singing. Because but he also, can't. has such a unique voice. I'm like, how do you find somebody who's going to sing? And, and he sings in such a higher register than I would think that James Spader would sing in, you know? But uh, so the guy who does uh, sing in that is Justin, do you know? I do not know who the singer is. It is Art Carney's son. Wow. Look at you schooling me. Uh, Ryan just heard another night. He's getting. I'm going to sign off. I'm going to stay on the podcast. Do not sign off. Do not sign off. I'm getting scold. No, he said he talks about it in the director's commentary. Okay. I just wanted to confirm that his name is Paul. Paul Carney uh, is who sings for him. Uh, And we we walk the night. I wish my last name was Carney. What a great name. Ryan, we walk the night fighting the darkness that breaks our hearts. We hold each of the tight. Shit, right? You're, you're back out. You're back out. You're back, back out. That, is, that was great. Uh, why is that not on the soundtrack? 
rights issues, my friend. Let's that, let's not get into the legalities. What what, what <laughs> rights issues? They they wrote that song for the movie, right? Let's not get into the legalities. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> this is Fox kinda, News. This Fox is News. Kinda... Let's, let's not get into the legalities, Ryan. <laughs> Uh, all right. All right. Well, you know, we'll sidestep this. We certainly do not want the people that own the Tough Turfs, Tough Turfs soundtrack no. to come after us. We do not want them after we us. Do not. We do want them after things you love and things you hated. Yeah. It's time to dive into things we love and things we hated. So bust out your notes. Things we love, things we hated. Um, Justin, you're the guest here. We're going to start with you. Start with uh, some things you loved. Things I love. Um this is a really hard subject, actually, because I love everything about this film. Amen, brother. Um, I think it's a flawless classic, especially of mm-hmm. 80s cinema. There's so much nuance in this movie, I don't even know where to begin. Um, one of the best Casio keyboard film scores ever. <laughs> <laughs> Very the, true. The, the film score is so fucking powerful also would have liked to have that on the soundtrack too with like just a couple of that i mean that that would be good too to throw to have thrown that in there you do get a little bit of it on marianne faithful's love hates i want to point out um that on the vhs of tough turf that when he picks up uh frankie at the burger joint and you hear that you know what like opposites attract that lene lovich song Yes, yes. If you get the VHS to Tough Turf, which is what we watched back in the day, that song is actually removed from the soundtrack, and it's Jonathan Elias singing it. Oh, wow. And it's very, it's extremely strange, but um, the VHS is the only source for hearing Jonathan Elias sing that track. Huh. And I think it's much more powerful with Jonathan Elias singing it. It loses all like the 80s uh, Nina Hagen vibe. That for sure has. yeah it's mm-hmm. more of a straightforward rock song but then again we have to all go back to ebay and find and buy the vhs again does jonathan elias not to spoil anything for under the boardwalk but does he do the music for that too because he did the music for a children of the corn he does not do under the boardwalk but he did okay. do vamp and children of the corn okay oh yeah. vamp that's another one we gotta do Yes, we'll, we're we're gonna get we're gonna talk about that just briefly. Uh, in, I mean, in, I may not be on the podcast at that point. <laughs> but. I don't know. You might be busy with the Porsche cast. <laughs> Mark Vroom Vroom Goland coming at no, you live. Um, what else do you love, Justin? I mean, like I said in the beginning, it's like the rebel without a cause of my generation. I mean, this film is just a it's a it's a flawless. Uh, time warp into 1985 high school days and um i think there's a lot people can learn from this movie it's almost an it's a fighting it's like a, a full-blown lifelong fight to get people to watch this movie for whatever reason <laughs> i mean i'm on a constant constant like pilgrimage to make as many people as possible watch this film i admit i had not seen it until you showed it to me in college like i had not seen tough turf that was you one that watching was people in their 40s watch it <laughs> we're trying we're trying to get people to watch it again now no, now i, 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 I gotta admit the first time i watched this was two days ago mark <laughs> and i'm in my 40s mark I, mark I'm, I'm very surprised to hear that well, I, I i thought i'd always seen it and then i started watching it and i thought and i very quickly i went i realized i haven't seen this before okay i uh, i 
part of that uh, what you're talking about about being the like rebel without a cause of your generation or the west side story which would also any generation yeah it's kind of the west side story or the romeo and juliet i mean it's really which is again that's where all the source the source material really is derived for both both of those west side story and this but i think part of like the buy-in for you for you is like you bought the badassness of James Spader. I do think James Spader puts in a good performance in this movie and I like him in this movie. I don't know if I buy him as a, as we've been sort of joking about and sort of banding about with uh, early in the podcast, but I'm not sure I buy him as a, as a badass. It's not your turn Riding yet. around. We are still on things we love. <laughs> okay. Don't listen to this viewers. Audioers. We are still on things we love. Okay. Got it. Got it. Ryan, he takes out two cockroaches with BB pistols. In the yeah. Team. What he the fuck do you not understand? Yeah. He, you know, stands and watches his beloved bike get smashed all to hell. Come on, Ryan. Yeah. Things we loved. Erica, I'll go. Thank okay. you, Erica. Nope, nope. Anyway, so I, things I loved. I'm with Guest. I'm with Justin. This movie is perfect and i thought after watching love letters that i would never love a new world movie the way i love tough turf (laughs) and i give it two f's because it is fucking fantastic and i loved it (laughs) from start to finish it's terrific she did i absolutely loved it things i loved everything mark uh I, I, the thing I loved most was the opening scene when uh, James Spader breaks up that uh, the whatever the, the the rift that's about to happen with that guy at the bus stop. Yeah. Uh, again, like I said, there's no way that that guy would have ever. This is a real sticking point for you, Mark. <laughs> it, well, uh, it's a sticking point. Because... I can see why you had a hard time with this movie because from like moment one, you're like, uh, sir, no, that you are you are trying to punch above your weight, sir. No, I do not. I do not accept. <laughs> it, it truly was. But here's the thing, and I have a question for Justin coming out of this, is that that opening scene introduces James Spader as a really interesting character. Like, this is a guy who... He read the scene, like he read what was happening with the with this gang and was like, I know exactly how to break this whole thing up. So you are immediately introduced to a character who has a certain kind of unique skill set. He's obviously like done this before. He's able to assess the situation and be like, I know how to dissolve like what would be a tense or 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 you know situation. They never explain how did he learn that skill set. Like, how did he become this badass in a cable knit sweater? They never explain that. Right. They kind of say, like, oh, is it happening again? And they sort of like. Yeah, they say his dad asks him, is it happening again? And his brother's like, when you, you've already fucked up once, which, by the way, they they don't say because there's actually no bad language in this movie. At all. <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> but they, they they say like oh you know you've already screwed up once and but they never explain the backstory which i feel like is missing from this movie because there should be a like some circumstance that happened that led him to be able to have the skill set to be able to read a, a situation be like i know how to handle this situation i guess that's why that's how sorry go ahead justin i was just so gonna it say was a question for justin not for you ryan it was a question for Chuck. I'm fighting for my job, Mark. 
I'm just saying you don't need foul language when, you know, every high school girl at Lawson is in leopard print onesies walking around on campus. (laughs) Now, that's the best answer I've heard. But that doesn't explain James Spader's backstory. Do they ever, did did you ever? Mark, they do explain James Spader's backstory. And let me tell you how. This is a. This is a segment called Time to School. Ah, time ring a ding 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 to school. Ring a ding 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 time. Ring a ding 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 to school. Ring a ding ding ding. Time to school. All right, all right I got into it. Mark, are you ready to get schooled? I'm ready. I'm ready. When, when James Spader shows up at Lawson High School, the principal takes him in and says, I'm, you know, I've heard about your past. I've mm-hmm. heard about your rooftop rock concerts mm-hmm. going on. And I don't have enough time. Uh, you know, I don't have time to waste uh, time on you for being the real losers here at Lawson. You know, I don't want to waste time on a good imitation. And uh, James Spader has a reputation already when he shows up at Lawson as being a badass. He was hosting rooftop rock concerts at his previous high school. So mm. that backstory is laid out. And okay, I, as soon as he gets to Van Nuys, he goes out in his 10 speed and interrupts Nick Hauser's gang from mugging somebody on his own recognizance. What more do you need, Mark? Wow. I, I'm going to say that there is a slight crevasse between <laughs> rooftop concerts and breaking up a gang robbing a guy. I, I'm just going to say those are two... I can see a character doing both, but their skill sets that are slightly different. Stop it, man. Mark, Mark, let me take it one step further. Narco and starting his podcast on being a narc. Mark, the poster. The Narc Golan podcast. Coming soon. Narc God exposing everybody's weaknesses. The Narc Todd podcast. The poster of this movie sums it up. You ready? Yeah. This is the marketing for the film on the theatrical poster that I saw in a lobby in 1985. It said, meet Morgan Hiller. He's a rebel about to become a hero. (gasps) Wow. That's all All the backstory you need, Mark. That's probably the thickest backstory New World has created to date. You know, and it's, but it is interesting that like doing roof, rooftop concerts made him a real badass because there's bands playing literally in every single place in Probably all of Van Nuys. Thanks to him. Not on rooftops. Not <laughs> a single band is on a rooftop. That is, that is against the law in Van Nuys at that time. <laughs> you cannot play on a rooftop. Mark and Ryan, how much time did you spend in Van Nuys in 1985? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, zero. Absolutely, Absolutely not. None. What, what are we talking about now? <laughs> did, did you spend much time in Van Nuys in 1985, Justin? I did not, but I saw Tough Turf. <laughs> <laughs> so, Justin, have we exhausted all the things that you love, or did you? If we, we talk about all the things we love, you'll be here till three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, Erica, have you gone through all the things that you've loved? Okay, well, I don't know if you had more. Ryan, things you loved? Uh, okay, well, here's some things that I loved. First of all, I did love the Jim Carroll band. I just think that's an interesting cl- inclusion. And I think they have some of the stronger songs on the soundtrack. Um, it's interesting that People Who Died is like 
just uh, played in a car just for that scene when um, when Nick picks up Frankie and they just sort of drive off. Like it's just sort of stuck stuck in there when it's one of the better songs. I feel like it could have been used more effectively, but it's 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 a good it's kind of a cool inclusion. I love the dad, Matt Clark, the actor Matt. Oh Clark. yeah, that's true. Wait. Was in love. Was letters. in love letters. I pointed that out to Erica while we were watching it, and I said, "That's the dad from Love Letters." And she looked it up. She was like, "Holy shit, you're right." Off the dumb. Off the fucking dumb. dumb. Yeah. Uh, of course, I didn't believe him, and then you, you know, know, it came back to bite me. Uh, showing a real range of fatherhood, where you can play a very sensitive and caring and thoughtful father of of Morgan to a drunken possible ghost dad of Jamie Lee Curtis in Love Letters. And especially Ryan, real quick, when he when when Matt gives James Spader that speech, it's in front of a wall heater, which is so fucking 80s. I love this movie for the fact that it has such a, you know, such a low carbon footprint. It's very eco-friendly. It's uh, about, you know, biking and... <laughs> You know, everyone, if they ever drive around, they're, they're sharing rides. Like, Robert Downey Jr. literally finds Morgan and drives down there to give him a ride somewhere. Like, Ryan, how eco-friendly is that Camaro they're driving around in? <laughs> I think they fed that Camaro Ronnie's fries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Mark, what did thing you hated, Mark? <clears throat> the thing I hated was that fucking wall heater in James Spader's bedroom. Because here's the thing, for those of you who don't live in California, there's not a basement, very likely, and you're not going to get central heat, you're going to get a wall heater, and it's going to be primarily in a hallway near the bedroom, somewhere central in the home. In his bedroom, there's a wall heater, which drives me fucking nuts, because either this was an addition to a home, meaning that it was added to the back of the home and is not part of the central heating system, so you needed your own wall heater. But what was really happening it was just probably a studio apartment that they shot that in, and therefore it had a wall heater. But it was such a tell that like this is not part of the house that he lives in. I want to create a new segment. The news okay. okay. This, is, this is a new segment called Erica's Take. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's and- your take, hon? And if Erica said that she wanted to marry her high school boyfriend and her dad came out with a cheap bottle of champagne and plastic cups all in, how would you feel about that now? What I meaning would I marry my high school boyfriend now? Well, also, no, if you're assuming that I was able to land the boyfriend in high school. Let me rephrase. Back, just say you were like 17 and you're like, hey dad, I'm gonna marry my high school boyfriend. Yeah, you come uh, out with like a cheap bottle of Corpel of Corbel champagne and like uh-huh. a bunch of plastic cups and was yeah. all in. He would have brought that out as a joke because he would have been laughing his ass off that I was able to have a boyfriend in high school, uh, being a member of marching band uh, and stage band and the theater uh, drama club. But Frankie's dad is all in. Of the French club. So he probably would have came out. So yeah. close to president. Yeah. So, so close. So, oh, close. so close. Bon chance. So close. Ugh. Ugh. But mm. yeah, he probably would have come out and supported it 100% because uh, he would have been like, thank yeah. God, she's not a complete loser. No, but <laughs> would it have been Dom Perignon and crystal glasses? It would have been Corbell and plastic cups. <laughs> yeah. 
right, is your is your umbrage with the fact that with the cups he's using, or with the fact that he is so quick to just marry off his daughter? He's like, no. sure, sounds good. Is sure. it the gesture or the Ryan. manner in which the gesture is celebrated? <laughs> Ryan, let me back up here. This is a crucial point in this film. So we got to give it. We got to give it some time. Like he basically <laughs> comes in like. I don't know. The guy with no shirt said he wants to marry you. And I was like, whatever. I mean, you're in high school. It's cool. I own a liquor store. It's but fine. I think, but I think Justin brings up, Justin brings up a good point, which is when you have a daughter who's a disappointment, the sooner you can marry her off, the better. Speaking as a disappointment daughter. Yeah. If he could have married me off way sooner than this old bag of bones over here. He's pointing to me. He would have done it. We're not on video. We're not on video. <laughs> I, I got to back up for a second. The guy owns a liquor store. Yeah. You know, he has Dom Perignon in there somewhere. <laughs> he does. He right. does. But again, not a Dom Perignon kind of daughter, you know? Kind of more of a... He is wise enough. He is an old enough man. He's wise enough to know that this is marriage one. At least. This is marriage number one. Like, this is one of several. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are... also like the markup on Dom Perignon is significant. Corbell, (laughs) it's a couple bucks. He stakes to make more on the Dom Perignon. You got to think about ROI, Justin. Being the leniency you're giving Frankie's dad on the engagement, I may have to just sign off. Well, it's been nice having you. Thank you for joining. Wait, you 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 watch this movie every single time, hoping why doesn't she just marry Nick? (laughs) Dad's totally into it. Why doesn't she just marry him? It's perfect. So before you sign off, favorite scene. What is your favorite scene? I didn't even go over the things I didn't. Oh, hey, Justin, do you have anything you didn't that you hated? Oh, are you kidding me? Nothing. Not a thing. Okay, Ryan, things you hated. This movie is the Michael Mann of Fritz Kersh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This is his collateral. It's his Manhunter, his Heat, and his Thief, all in one. Um, I have a feeling though I've not seen Under the Boardwalk in so long, but I do feel like we've seen the best from Fritz Kirsch here. On, on, um, I don't know about that. Really? Okay. You may have to have me back on. Uh, you didn't have an Under the Boardwalk poster in the dorm room, so I don't know. <laughs> I, no, but I went to the sneak preview, and that's for another podcast. Okay. Woo! Okay. Okay. You also didn't have a gore poster. Save it. Or Ooh. some of the other movies that, that Fritz Kirsch did that were not New World. Um, so some things I hated. Why was why is that hamburger place closed down that they go and visit? That that thing is incredible. It looks like they have amazing fries. It's right there on the corner. It was in North Hollywood. Uh it would have been uh something we easily could have visited. Uh, and uh, it's not there, so I hate that. I'm very angry that that hamburger place is closed. I can down. understand that. What's that? I can understand that. I, I get that. Um. Okay. It seems very unfair to me that Robert Downey Jr. got shot. He's trying to say like, up. Uh, he's been very, very. Nick has been very slow to actually pull the trigger. He's had a couple times where he could have shot James Spader right in the face, but he doesn't. In fact, there's a moment. When he has his boys grab James Spader, this is right before, right before mm-hmm. he comes in with the dogs, 
And he like takes a second to wipe the blood from his mouth. Like that fucking matters when you're about to shoot somebody in the face. Hold on a second. Let me clean myself up before yeah. I murder you. Well, it matters. You've never been on the right. brink of murdering someone. On, t- on, uh, on another note, Robert Downey Jr. had dogs the whole time? Yes. Where were the dogs? He didn't talk about owning a dog a single time. He's Ryan, a- that's not true. That, no, he did. He does he mention the dog? His brother, yeah. his brother has him. Oh, his brother had the dog. That's right. That's right. God, oh, by the way, dumb. that that brother apparently, uh, the director has said that he wa- was looking through all the people that he was going to cast in that role. He was up to cast potentially George Clooney. What in that role? But he no felt way. that that George Clooney and Robert Downey Jr. did not look enough like brothers, so he did not cast him. But that ending fight scene has more. Surprise, I'm still alive than Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday 13th, and Halloween combined. That is also that comes from the fact that um, the producer, and since we're just going to jump right into the corner here, real quick, a lot of that fight scene uh, that happened in the movie, that ending fight scene, there is a reason why it goes so on so long and why Nick goes for one final attempt at hitting James Spader with a two by four. And that apparently uh, was Fritz Kears. He complains quite a bit throughout the director's commentary about the producer. Does not call him out by name, but does mention that the producer wanted me to do this. He wouldn't let me light it with the car lights, that ending fight scene. He wanted just a plain lighting. He wouldn't let me do X, Y, Z. So that producer is Donald P. Borchers, who also produced Children of the Corn. So this is their second time working together, and their last time working together, him and Fritz Kirsch. He also produced Angel, the very first movie that the second era of New World put out, and Crimes of Passion. Uh, Another New World movie. Another New World movie. And he also co-wrote Vamp. So he is a... uh, Because he was working for New World, I believe, as like an associate producer or something. So he was... He was uh, working for New World and then got all these other opportunities. He then goes on after New World closes to to produce Highlander 2, Leprechaun 4, and Meatballs 4, which is the final sequel and stars Corey Feldman, by the way. Uh, it wasn't always intended to be a Meatballs movie, but it was a camp movie, and they just sort of tried to make it into a Meatballs sequel. But all roads lead back to Children of the Corn because Donald P. Borchers wrote and directed the 2009 TV movie remake of Children of the Corn, which was on sci-fi. And apparently, according to IMDb, is also producing, I don't know if in just a name only, a prequel of Children of the Corn, which was shot during quarantine in Australia. So this is not going to end. So I also noticed that he also had produced Beastmaster, uh, which is a Don Coscarelli movie. So I have Don Coscarelli's uh, book, which where he talks about his career and, and making uh, called True Indie, where he talks about, you know, the movies he's made. So I looked it up this morning and I was like, I wonder if he has any stories in there. And he doesn't. But he does have a quick story, which is New World related, which is that after he'd released Phantasm, it was a big success for Avco Embassy. And he was looking to make Beastmaster and couldn't find anyone to make it. So he goes back to avco embassy to say hey i'm your golden child uh i've i brought you guys back into you know financial security 
because at that point they were releasing horror films like crazy after Phantasm, including John Carpenter's The Fog. And yet they did not want to make Beastmaster. And the guy that turned Coscarelli down, Robert Remy, who was running Avco Embassy at the time before he became CEO of New World. So he turned down Beastmaster. Wow. All right, that's the corner. Uh, also, the original ending of this movie, Justin, you you showed me the page. I did. From the script where they had the original ending, which is really them. Christian Bale blows himself up? Or Christian Slater? <laughs> oh, wow. Mark oh, Christian Bale? No. no, Christian Bale came into this movie. <laughs> oh, God. I met Christian Bale turned into James <laughs> Erica. What are you on? <laughs> Just some Van Nuys, some local Van Nuys beer. That's right. That Van, we, from a Van Nuys brewery. That's where Van we're drinking. Van Nuys brewery. That's you know, right. Tough Perf was taking place in Van Nuys. Yeah. So you're home, Erica. You're home. Yeah. My backyard. Um, yeah. The original ending of this movie had them visiting Robert Downey Jr. in his hospital bed. Oh. And... Then uh, uh, Frankie just reads a quote out of um, <laughs> um, Catcher in the Rye, which I was like, I've read that like in junior high. I really, it's interesting she had avoided it in through high school, but I guess, you know, Frankie was not so interested in school, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's the original ending. She reads whatever quote they could get. They literally were like, quote pending on whatever rights issue that they could get. And that's the end of the movie. And the uh, director in the commentary he is like complaining like yeah we didn't get to do our original ending we sort of ran out like they had run out they had run that that last fight scene is what they were shooting at the tail end of the movie and they only had a couple days to do it so they ran out and the they weren't going to pay basically is what he intimates is they were not going to pay the crew anymore so the crew was like we're done we got a rap party we're going to be done so they weren't able to shoot anything more so the ending of the movie is just them going to the club and seeing jack mack and the heart attack and that's just the end. And he does not like that ending. But is there more to that ending other than that that hospital scene, Justin, is what I wanted to ask. Because no. apparently to IMDb, the original ending had them taking the SATs, even Frankie? That's not true. Okay. I've, so- I've had the original shooting script since I was 10 years old. <laughs> wow. Wow, dude. We should just hand over the where, reins. Where did you point. get the original shooting script? I got it from the Burbank Poster Company, um, which was on My Wife Knows. It was in Burbank. No, like this <laughs> We have a second guest. We have a second wait, guest. Wait, wait, wait. Second guest. Come on. Get in you here. School on your That's own right. segment. She just took you to school. <laughs> she just, where? where's the Burbank uh, uh, it Poster Company? It just closed down about a year Burbank, ago. You idiot. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, I just can't remember the exact street. But the Burbank uh, poster shop was like on Olive in Burbank. And it was it just closed down like two years ago after being there like for 30 years. And um, I used to frequent this place Probably every summer. Probably frequenting it. You frequented yeah. it when you were 10 years old? Yes. And you never went back. You're a terrible but you No, I went back every six months for... <laughs> No, that's Erica. You're putting words into my mouth. This is like a full-blown CNN podcast now. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting in deep. We're getting in deep with with Justin. Um, uh, So now we should jump into pairings. This is our favorite new segment in the show where we we take what we're talking about tonight. Um, 
Which I'm is- thinking a really deep red with tough turf. 15% alcohol. Wait, no, no. We're, we're, sorry, Justin. We're talking about movies. We're, I thought you meant Deep Red the movie, so I was very much on board. Um, no, I'm talking about Deep Red, um, like a, a Sauvignon Blanc or a Deep Merlot. Okay, with well, we're, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking about pairings. We're, we, we're, we're, yes, we're, pairings is where we pair this movie with another movie. Um, and so as it, uh, Oh, I see. Well, Tough Turf would be uh, Coors Light. It's just a movie. It's just a movie. It's um, just a movie. So we just pair. Why don't you show, like, demonstrate by example? Okay. Right. We'll demonstrate with example. Erica, like, what movie would you pair with Tough Turf? Oof. That's a tough one. So I'm torn. Okay. I- I'm torn because uh, my initial thought was that I would pair Tough Turf with Turbo Kid. Mm. Uh, you know, both. Because of the bikes. Yeah. The bikes, the element of the action and the bike riding. However,. Upon deeper thought, which Ooh. is something I Whoa. rarely wow. do. Wow. Wow. Good for yeah. you, hon. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, really, really exercise the old wife dome there, if you will. <laughs> um, I thought I would pair it with Age of Ultron. Oh, yeah. Right. To, to put uh, yeah. Robbie Downey Jr. and James Spader back together. Yeah. They're back. They're back, babies. You could have done less than zero as well. Nope. But, but... Nope. Straight to Age of Ultron. <laughs> Straight to Age of Ultron. That's right. It... Well, is they did become friends on this movie. Hot. And ma- as a matter of fact, Robert Downey Jr. named his dog, not the one in the movie, but his real actual dog after James Spader, named Hot. him Jimmy. Okay. So Hot. Um, Hot. Uh, I was going to pair, and you guys will probably know this because you guys know me and you guys have known me for a long time. But any, anyone that knows me, I, I, I have a particular love for a movie from the 1980s. This movie to me seemed like it had a lot of the themes running through the 1980s. It had a kid who was coming in from out of town. He falls in love with a girl that he's not allowed to date. One thing he's missing is like he's missing that sort of older teacher figure, father figure. There's one movie, though, that has all those elements all put together, and that is North Shore. And that is what I would put together with this movie. I was like, how is he talking about the thing right now? I'm not sure how he's <laughs> So, Because North Shore has a kid coming from Arizona, going to surf the big waves in Hawaii. He uh, falls in love with a local girl. He's not allowed to date her. There's she a kid- has long hair. She has long hair. He mm-hmm. has to fight with her, uh, not her, her the, the gang that she's in, the, the yeah. surf riding club. Yeah. The hooey. Um and you know he uh, he but he has a he fought he he meets up with a sur- uh, surf shaper uh, and a former surfer teaches him how to surf the big waves how to make a shape a board he has to he puts him through the rigors of it all and uh, to me it just seems to pair really well with uh, with tough turf to me the they're they're two real pinnacles of the eighties now Mark you we've had some trouble in the past but I know that you have this I I know you've got this. You've, I do. Erica, I do. you listen to me. What would you like? What movie? What movie would you pair with Tough Turf? Tan or uh, off white, or maybe a stone cable knit sweater with a dark, say, slim cut jean and a like tan suede casual boot because I feel like. When you have a lighter sweater, Mark, then, Mark, that you can then that is, mix with uh, no, but you can also do a black. No, 
or even a charcoal pant. No, you're pairing, I think pairing the, the tan casual sweater. boot kind of ties it. With other outfits. That's not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about pairing Tufter with a different movie, another movie, not his pairing his outfit. Oh, forget it. Uh, I, Justin. I said that. I said no, that. No, that's not what you said. You did not say that. No, you you said any other movie was, forget it. Look, we're going to work on this. Next week, we're going to nail this. Justin, you've had an example of how to do this, an example of how not to do this. What would you pair with Tough Turf? The Wraith. The Wraith. Okay, so Char- Charlie Sheen uh, comes back uh and had from space and and no he comes back he's the he's the brother and he's in a car right Mm -hmm. that's right yeah and that that the soundtrack alone makes it the perfect pairing plus a bottle of 15.5 percent red wine (laughs) (laughs) um justin any last bits about the movie there's too many it'd be here for till four in the morning Maybe we'll do a revisit episode further down the line. Who knows? Um, well, then, if that is all the bits we have for Tough Turf, everybody, thank you, Justin, for joining us as we talk. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Justin. Round of applause. Round of applause. First guest, awesome. First guest, successfully guested, uh, and potentially uh, now hosting. I don't come on 100%. We'll have to kind of see. Yeah, this is my last episode, everyone. (laughs) Sorry. If this is mine, uh, it's been a great ride. 20 whole episodes. I feel pretty good uh, that I made it this long. Quite frankly, I kind of thought I would would get kicked out sooner. So this is pretty pretty good that it's taken 20 episodes. But um, yeah, that's it for us on on this episode where we talk about Tough Turf. Uh, you can find our podcast uh, wherever you enjoy podcasts. If it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, you can find us there. You can find us anywhere you find podcasts, but mostly those three. Please rate and review us. It has been uh, it's been a huge help to have people rate and review us. Um, we, we we're we're rising up the charts, uh, and you can learn more about that if you visit us on uh, Twitter. Uh, we also have an Instagram. And Facebook for all you uh, septuagenarians that are listening to this show. If you are uh, of a certain age, you'll know what Facebook is. Otherwise, also, uh, uh, if you uh, want to drop us a question, info at newworldpodcast.com. Oh, we have a contact center. Look at that. Yes, we'd love some uh, questions, comments. That would be particularly wonderful. So, and if you work with a, if you, you want to be a guest on the show, all you have to do is temporarily live with Ryan. So that's it. That's all you have to do. Well, and it's not temporarily. We lived together for years. So applicants will be received within. So I think you just learned something about Erica. This is a temporary arrangement. Sounds good. Yep. I've lived with Mark. I've lived with Erica. And I've lived with Justin. So, Will you be next? Are, are you one of the lucky few? Go ahead, Justin. Rain from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the New World Podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>